Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jantz, and my guest today is Jeannie Bliss. She is a customer experience expert. After years of working with uh, some very large organizations on their customer service, or I guess now what we call customer experience, she founded her own company called Customer Bliss, which can be found at customerbliss.com. And she is also the author of two books. Most recently, I Love You More Than My Dog, Five Decisions for Extreme Customer Loyalty in Good Times and Bad. So thank you, Jean. You're welcome. So good to be here with you. So that title is one of those that I'm sure uh, makes people think a little bit. Uh, was that one of those that uh, the uh, publisher came up with, or is that something that you had been actually out there saying uh, um, on the street for a while and, and people started picking up on it? <laughs> no, you, you you got it right. My, I have the, the luck to be published by Portfolio, and uh, they called me up and said, we have the title for your book. <laughs> and I said, okay, tell me what it is. Yeah. I love you more than my dog. And I was like, huh? <laughs> but it it just, it's, you need, in this day of social media where customers talk to each other more than they talk to, you know, read your own marketing and materials, you got to earn that kind of rave to grow in an organic fashion. Um, and so it just makes sense, and everybody loves dogs. So it just, it's connecting with people. Yeah, I, I think that uh, there's no question people you know anybody who's had a dog i mean particularly can really relate to that uh, i've actually got a 3 year old black lab running around here in the office Aww. right now and you know you get that little it comes up from behind and gives you that lick on the face and you know it's yep. pretty, pretty you're going to have to love a company a lot to beat that <laughs> well and 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 and, and then the the point of it is the subtitle is is the meat of the book which is five decisions that drive this extreme customer loyalty in good times and bad and 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 at the heart of those five decisions or attributes it's around being human, honorable, you know, respecting the dignity and being there. And, you know, we can we say that about our dogs, but we don't see that in people or especially in businesses on a regular basis. So it's really about getting to the root of what makes a company beloved. So um, you, t- especially since it's in the subtitle, the five decisions, I mean, can you kind of uh-huh. list, do, do they all have nice, short, tidy little names so we can sort of riff around them? You bet. So the first one is decide to believe. Believe your customers and believe your employees and practice that first by suspending cynicism in how you make business decisions. Decide with clarity of purpose. Be very clear and deliberate about why and where you intersect your customer's life and what you do for them. Uh, decide to be real, be human, get rid of the corporate pomp and circumstance and create a place where your customers and your employees can bring the best version of themselves to work and in their interactions with you. Decide to be there. Build your business operation from your customer's point of view, not from your internal project's purpose and spreadsheet point of view. And decide to say sorry. Repair the emotional connection when you make a mistake and be humble and remorseful. Yeah, I, I, I know just from a practical standpoint in, in customer interactions, uh, you know, I've seen, you know, consistently where I've, where people have said, you know what, we made a mistake, we're sorry, <laughs> um, all of a sudden they they really gain, have the, at least the ability to, to gain that trust back. It's true. In fact, the, the research, much research that's out there, says that if you make a mistake and repair the emotional connection, because when you make a mistake, it really puts a question in the customer's mind about who you are, what you value, in the way that you repair that. You're in better stead with your customer if you do it well than if you had not made a mistake. So one of the things that I know that um, 
any time we're talking about this. This isn't something that you go on a weekend retreat and go, gosh darn it, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna build extreme customer loyalty now, darn yeah, it. Yeah, right. Um, I or mean, or etch it on a crystal ball. <laughs> well, Everybody that's right. customer love, yes. So you know, what are some of the little ta- – because I, I, I love your five points, but I, I know my audience, too, and they're going, okay, well, tell me how we actually do that. Um, sure. I mean, what are some of the sort of tactical decisions uh, that, that that probably amount to little things uh, that, that add up to, you know, big results? I mean, what are some of those? Well, let me walk you through some deliberate actions I give on each of the five decisions. So, for example, for Believe, revamp how you hire. Um, the beloved companies always make hiring their most important decision. They start with their core values. Do something we call create a uh, kill a stupid rule movement. Um, believe in your employees that when they find a stupid rule, it's stupid, it gets in the way, and create a celebration around getting rid of it. Yeah, can I interrupt you right there? Because that's one of my favorites. The, uh, you know, when I come encounter a company and and they'll do something that is so clearly odd and not you know in my best interest and when you'll ask an employee why would you know why in the world yeah. would you do that do you see how odd that is and they look at you like uh, because it's in the manual that's right and, and and it just gets in the way of everybody's brain yeah. and, and nobody wants to enforce the stupid rules you put your employees in this lousy position of not doing something that's congruent with what they do at home with their kids but yet you can't you you know it's it's like the emperor's new clothes. You can't tell the leaders the rule is stupid unless you give people permission yeah. to be in an environment where you believe and you honor that when people find stupid rules, we're going to kill it and celebrate the fact that we killed one. Yeah, and I think for small business owners, which you know a lot of my audience is, I mean, one of the toughest yep. things is giving up control. And right. allowing that, and I know that I've suffered through it, and and uh, I have to look around and see who's listening to me right now. Uh, continue to <laughs> suffer through <laughs> through that, uh, you know, that very uh, very thing. And I think that that sometimes a lot of what you have to do is be willing to give up control so that some of this stuff can be better. You bet. Well, and I'd be happy to send these to you if you want to post them up there for people. Yeah, let's do. Um, the the third one: let customers key their feedback right onto your homepage. Yes. There's a great small business called Custom Inc. They make T-shirts. And uh, when they send their customer their post-experience um, survey, the customer just types it completely unadulterated. It goes up on the front page because they believe that other customers will sell them better than they can sell themselves. Yeah, that takes some and guts, then, though, doesn't it, right? Total guts, total <laughs> belief, right? Yeah. No, complete transparency. And when there's a blooper, guess what? Yeah. It says, hey, we made a mistake. Here's what we did to solve it. And yeah. then there's this connection between the customer and them right on the home page. Yeah, so much more believable maybe than the uh, the canned looking or feeling testimonials, huh? Well, yeah, because you know they've been culled through. Right, right. Uh, every month, get rid of more fine print. We got a lot of black box fine prints at the bottom of our contracts and everything. And the other one, this is what the container store does. They share their financials with their employees all yeah. the way down to the janitors. Yeah. So those are five good actions around believe. Very operationally deliberate actions. This isn't kumbaya, we are the world, let's go hug the customer. Well, speaking of hugging the customer, though, um, <laughs> you, you, you do talk a lot about this idea of, you know, understanding how you impact their lives. And, That's you know, right. I often, when I talk to small business owners, a lot of times I, I really kind of get on this soapbox about, you know, you, you sell, you know, whatever it is you sell this piece of paper, this box, whatever it is, what you're really that's selling right. is, is how you make my life better. And that's um, exactly right. And, and that's a tough thing, I think, to get clarity. I mean, how do you do that 
short of following them home and going into their closet with them. Well, and, and you're, it's just a great key up for clarity of purpose, which is why that, that's the second decision in the book, is what's your higher purpose with customers? What, you know, you're not selling pencils. You're enabling them to do better work. Or, you know, we were working with a, um, a spa company, and they had a hard time with transient workforce. You know, anytime you've got a lot of frontline people, especially in, in those kinds of services, they float in, they float out, they float in, and they bring with them the attitudes and skills from another place. Well, we changed our higher purpose from being spa technicians to customer escape artists. And that completely changed. Do you have the aptitude and the, the personality to, to deliver escape? How will you hire that? What will the escape be? How will we operationalize the escape? And so if you can be clear about that, what it does then is you operationalize to an experience attached to emotions to your purpose. You know, there's a drink, like if you're selling drinking cups, let's say. You can be a drinking cup company, like an everyday company sells cups. A beloved company supports parenthood. Yeah. So if you're supporting parenthood, you do more than just sell the cup. You start with the mom, not the cup. You have education and informational information. And by selling, by supporting parenthoods, you earn the right to expand well beyond those drinking cups. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that's such a great thing, too. I, I, I did a, um, um, a poll recently and asked. Some somewhat uh, probably would have been good research for you um, uh, for your book. Just really about you know what is it about the companies you love you know yep. and and people listed exactly. out these these different things. And I will tell you that a couple of the things that came three things that came up you know very very. I mean there was always the well they're cool you know some of those types well, of factors. Yeah, right, right. But I love companies that inspire me. I love companies that I understand and relate to why they do what they do. And I love yep. companies that are simple. And that whole simple thing, I think, is yep. really um, something that is uh, become, I, I think maybe it's because our lives are getting so cluttered that we want sim simplicity in other areas. And um, that's an aspect that I think we all could probably spend some time trying to understand better. This halftime break is brought to you by Constant Contact. Constant Contact helps small businesses and nonprofits build great customer relationships with email marketing, event marketing, and online surveys. Visit them today at constantcontact.com and sign up for your free 60-day trial. Yeah, and, and I agree with that, and especially given that in a small business, you don't want to be riding herd over your people. So if you all can come together and agree with this higher purpose you have, then that informs everyone's individual decision making as well. Yeah, what I mean, so yeah, so you're not you're not necessarily writing the checklist. It's hey, that's right. Um, you know, we here's what we want to do. Here's what we want our people to experience. How do we make that happen? And and hopefully you find people that are in that same vein and and they make it happen. That's right. One of the things that we've done that's really uh, wonderful is we say, okay, what will always push our no button and what will push our yes button? What are the conditions that must exist to, to support this higher purpose and just our core values that must always exist before we send something to the field or to customers or give it to employees? So that kind of forces you to align with what you stand for and that kind of guidance helps people because they're living with their values then. You're not giving them a checklist, but rather conditions for living into the into what your business is. Well, and, and, 
and then you keep creativity flowing too. That's I mean, exactly right. The, the checklist basically says, "Don't veer Fix. from this." <laughs> you know, don't Fix. think. Right? Yeah, we <laughs> right. become taskmasters. Yeah. One of the things that we know that's very, very specific is what are your bookend customer experiences? We know you've probably figured this out with your research as well. Is the first communication you have with customers and the last are the things people go on Yelp and opinions and other things to talk about. So have you sat down with your folks and identified the bookends to your customer experience and really be deliberate and knocking those out of the park. Be memory creators. Create great memories of when they call you for the first time or what they do before you hang up the phone with them or how your product is packaged or whatever those bookends are. Just make sure you create a memory that's so clear in their mind that they can articulate to someone else what they got from you. Yeah, and I think what you're suggesting, too, for a lot of people is that last one maybe you need to go back and create, right? It may not naturally occur. That's right. You don't always have a good buy memory, and you need to have one. Yeah, yeah, because I I preach that something I call the hourglass, and that's the idea behind that, too, is that you have, say, you know, a a results review or something, you know, that forces you back into their life again, and and, and I like your bookends uh, analogy as well. So uh, talk about a couple of the companies that you write about. Now, one caveat, uh, you cannot mention the word Zappos. Um, no. I will not do that. <laughs> I'm, so, just, um, I, I'm just teasing. Love Zappos, but uh, it's certainly become almost uh, humorous among the speaker circuit. How uh, how many people have evoked them uh, when they're talking about customer experience? I agree. Let me talk to <laughs> let me talk about some of the small companies I love that are in the book. A company called Amy's Ice Cream. They're in Austin, Texas, and um, on person I call it personality power alone. Alone, they do not advertise. Word of mouth sells over one million servings per year. One of the great things they do, which is I highlight in the Decide to Be Real chapter, which is around getting rid of the jargon, being real, having a personality. They are the equivalent of Seattle's flying fish. When, for example, you know, in Seattle, you go to the fish market and they fly, throw fish from one person to another. Right, it's right, right, it's yeah. like a show. Well, these young kids throw ice cream balls from one to another, capturing it in, sh- in cups, balanced on their chin. They juggle with it. So, you know, they don't want to have... Uh, everyday kind of, of form that you fill out. So instead, they send, they give each kid a white paper bag, and it has to be brought back in a, within a week, turned into some creative rendition of who they are. Um, and this came from the first one time they didn't have a regular interview uh, form, and they gave the gal a white paper bag, and she floated it in with a helium balloon, and it was the basket, and there were artifacts of her life in there. So I love, I love if you, it. Isn't it brilliant? So yeah. what's your white paper bag? Yeah. What, how do you make interviewing as brilliant and interesting as your company? Because you can't ask a teenager sitting around across the desk from you, are you a little bit nuts? <laughs> but, you can, but you can see their creativity. Yeah. Another company I love is uh, Zane Cycles. They're in, in Derby, Connecticut. And what they do is you can take a bike out. They're a small company. You can take a bike out for a ride, something even as much as $6,000. And uh, they don't ask for any collateral, because they don't want to question your integrity at the beginning of the relationship. Because they know every customer, if they punctuate the beginning of that relationship right, can be equal to $12,500. And guess what? By suspending cynicism, they only lose about three bikes a year. That's funny. Um, the I'm, I'm looking for another line I'd written down out of, your, out of some of your uh, um, interviews. The... Uh, Telling the com- co- a lot of companies 
um, and I'm going to come back to this employee thing. Um, this is sort of the middle part. Um, a lot of uh, companies really go out there and still want to, even if they've done what you're talking about, they still want to tell their story. And I, I think we're learning uh, more and more <laughs> that uh, companies that really do well um, have yep. people volunteer to, to tell their story. And I think you even talk about earning the right to That's have right. customers tell your story. Um, and, and talk a little bit about how that would sort of manifest itself in a company. You bet. And, and, you know, this is about the fact that there's a, there's a great research report that I cite a lot when I speak. It's called the Keller Fay Talk Track Report. And what it's talking about is these days, 78% of customers' purchase decisions are based on talking to other people, people they know and complete strangers whose input they go on to the Internet to get. And 22%, it's diminishing even more, is about the impact we have by packaging ourselves, being boastful, telling our story. Um, so you need to deliver an experience that earns the rave, not only from your customers, but also from your employees about the kind of company you are. And you need to be deliberate enough about the experience that you're delivering that there's something somebody can say in their own words that they get from you. And that's why reliability is such a big part of the beloved company's experiences, because People can tell other people, you know, hey, Grandma, when you call, here's what you'll get. When you walk in their door, here's how they'll treat you. Here's, what, here's how long it'll take. If you don't have a talkable experience, your customers aren't going to be out there talking about you. But what we also know is what they talk about a lot of is these other decisions in the book is how you're treated and how you feel when you interact with the people at the company. You know, there's a great book that I read years ago. I, I'm going to guess you've at least heard of it called The Experience Economy. You bet. Um, yep, and, so fine. Yep. And, and, and one of the things I love about that is he spends a lot of time in there talking about how we, how we should think of this more like a play. And that, yes, that, yes. that there's this whole drama and there's this whole entertainment piece. And, there, and, and I think a lot of organizations, even if they think, well, gosh, we sell office supplies, you know, <laughs> how dramatic could that be? I think there are a lot of companies that really stand out by, by being able to have I, – I just – I contend, and I think this is even a line right out of the book, that people will spend their last dollar to be entertained. It, it, it's true. And, you know, I mean, I got this. Uh, my great, you know, benefit in my life was I started at Land's End. And we used to talk about going up into the Himalayas to shear the, the fur from the underbellies of sh of sheep. And we we would write, you know, four, four uh, big pages about this stuff. And it created the entertainment value and the engagement of, and we sold the heck out of those sweaters because people were along for the ride that we went up for shearing the sheep and putting the sweater on their back. Yeah, I think since then it's actually become sort of standard fare in, in those types of uh, catalogs, hasn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, back when we were doing it, people thought we were nuts, yeah. but it really had an impact on people. Yeah, and I, I can think of three or four that I get that routinely do that. Patagonia does a great job with that. Uh, yeah, uh, of they're course, brilliant. You know? Yeah. Um, so uh, let's talk about the the. We've spent a lot of time talking about the um, um, employees, and that obviously the, in, in most organizations, I don't you know, two or three person organization. I mean, they're having a lot of and carrying a lot of the interaction with the actual customers, you know, not the owner of the business necessarily. And sometimes the owner of the business says, here's what we stand for, you know, but it's still got to be delivered. I mean, how do you, you know, how do you get people? Uh, I hear this all the time. I can't find people that, you know, that, that, uh, that treat customers or believe in treating customers the way I believe customers should be treated. I mean, how do you, how do you get employees uh, involved in the game or, or bought into the game? Well, I, I think a couple things. First of all, 
I'm not an advocate of handing them the core values and saying you have to live to these core values. I, I think it's important that whoever you've got on board needs to be a part of developing them and take ownership of them. But then as you bring new people on board, you need to be very, very deliberate in how you on how you hire and make screening for the personality of the people, their values be what's the first line that they need to go through before you screen them for technical abilities. There's a, a great company in the book um, called Headsets.com that has this whole process that they go through for bringing phone people on board. And, you know, it includes a, a business psychologist. They give them a customer service tryout. They see how they talk to customers. They review what their attitude is. But if he wasn't really clear and deliberate about what he was expecting and the kind of people he put in that role, he couldn't have built that process. Um, same thing with um, Chick-fil-A. We all know Chick-fil-A. What Chick-fil-A does is they review not just your business relationships, but your personal relationships because they want whoever they hire to be a part of the business or the story of their company for their whole life. Yeah, so I, they actually – go ahead. No, I was just going to say I, I sometimes uh, believe that I, you know, in, in the interviewing that I've done over the years, uh, asking people what – their you know top five albums and top five books you know are <laughs> in some cases yeah. way, way more telling about who they are than than you know what what it says on their resume about the various software they know how to use. Well, yeah, because we can all write down a story, but it's it's more about the fiber of who we are. And if you're clear first, you got to do some soul searching and be really clear about what you're looking for. I think we're we're too we we get too 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 into the mode of putting those butts in seats or filling those open positions without really thinking, you know, these are the people who are going to become part of the story of the company. Yeah, well, I think also, um, and and, and uh, I think Tom Peters talks talked about this in one of his many books. Um, I think sometimes we end up wanting to hire, or or we naturally gravitate towards hiring people that we think are like us, um, like and, us. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yes, how and, about that? And I think uh, as he uh, uh, lovingly calls it, hiring some freaks is probably the best thing you could do. Yes, I I totally agree. <laughs> I, you know, I mean that's. That was that whole thing around Amy's is they, they want kind of crazy people out there and they want to see who they are and, and send something back. Yeah. Uh, one, of the, one of the best awards, for example, that the Container Store gives out, the most honored and revered award, is called the Gumby Award. Um, they give that for people who are most flexible and show the most uh, gut. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. You know. Well, Jean, we've run out of time. Um, uh, you, you can... Uh, find lots more about uh, what Jeannie's up to at customerbliss.com and certainly uh, pick up I Love You More Than My Dog at anywhere that books are sold these days. So appreciate it, and I'm sure hopefully we'll, if we don't bump into each other out there on the road, I'm sure we'll talk again. Great. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Take This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, 
serial entrepreneurs Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.